thank you for listening to this programme from the Forever Manchester Radio and Podcast Network. Forever Manchester is a charity that raises money to fund and support community activity across Greater Manchester. Check out forevermanchester.com to find out more. I'm with Sebastian Healy. And Sebastian, along with, I think, a partner. Yep, Jenny Wiggins. Set up, Jenny Wiggins set up Manchester Gin. This is true. And there's two things that I know very little about. One of them being gin. So you're the right man to teach me all about it. Gin's massive at the moment, isn't it? Gin is massive. Uh, I mean, if you want to go into what gin is, sort of briefly. Gin, essentially, and much as many other distillers wouldn't want to say this out loud, it's just redistilled vodka with botanicals. Right. So you could argue it's just a more flavourful vodka in its very crudest form. Um, but I mean, if you're looking at why gin's had such a, a sort of growth spurt, I suppose, in the last sort of five, six years, it's all down to another gin company called Sipsmiths, based in London, who actually changed the law in 2009 from it was a seven I believe it's 1751 gin act and basically because everyone was getting far too drunk on bathtub gin and making gin in their own homes that they made a, a law that stated that I think again tantamount or, or, or sort of the equivalent of today's it'd be like a three a, th- a three thousand litre still right. and if you think that the still that we set up our company on was 60 litres uh, considerably less than what was allowed uh, legally from 1751 up until 2009 but it was Sipsmith that spent two years campaigning uh, to change the law and now the law is it has to be commercially viable as ambiguous as that is it has to be commercially viable that's what it says so we wrote a business plan and it's a business plan that I carry around with me every single day right. that uh, I sit here having a little chuckle to myself our business plan was written in it was written in January 2016 and we were launching in May so we said that by the end of May we'd sell or we'd look to sell uh, somewhere in the region of a thousand bottles of gin right. and, and then for the whole of 2017 we projected that we'd sell three and a half thousand bottles of gin Was that a figure plucked out of the air? Uh, there was some marginal reasoning with it because we thought you had to start somewhere and then you would maybe sell 10 a week 20 a week building the brand and then and then you'd get to a point where at the end of year one or at the end of Christmas you'd be selling you know nearly a hundred a week or something like right. that so that would equip that was the, it was a, it was a rough a rule of thumb um, I mean it didn't turn out that way so I think in, in the the first six months, I think we sold 8,000. Last year, we sold, I, I think we're just shy of 35,000. And then this year, we're looking for 100,000. Bottles. Bottles. Of gin. Of gin. In one year. Yeah. And considering we started in our dining room, uh, we produced in a room that was three metres by four metres. In 15 months, we produced, twenty. I think it's just over 25,000 bottles of gin. My word. Distilled, bottled, labelled, all in our dining room. Listen, we've sort of jumped a little bit down the story here. We have. But hey-ho, it doesn't matter which way yeah. around we do it. Where's your interest in gin come from? Well, I mean, I've been drinking gin since I was 17 in Blackpool, but not that I should really say that. I think the whole story of Manchester gin, uh, it's, it's uh, the age-old story of love. Uh, it's about boy meets girl. And it sounds really romantic. And, you know, our eyes didn't meet across a dance floor, unfortunately. Um, the real story is it was half one on a Wednesday morning. Uh, so it was a school night. Right. And I was out with two friends and they had started chatting up two women at about half one in the morning. Uh, having not said a word for about two minutes uh, and playing fifth wheel, I said, and, and this is where the sort of true romance of the story begins. Uh, I said, and I quote, I'm going to go speak to the nearest unattended woman and as crass and as uh, as much as I regret those words it does make me chuckle Uh, but literally about five metres away Was it an alcohol fueled comment? 
Yes, let's go with that. Let's it wasn't that. gin, it was beer part of it at that yeah. point. Um, <laughs> but I walked over and the first thing I ever said to Jen, and genuinely the first thing I ever said to her was, what are you drinking? And genuinely the first thing and the first words I heard her say was gin and tonic. And that comment would have been okay had it not been for the fact we're in a rum tiki bar. Right. And, and bearing in mind that, yeah, well, I'd had a few shandies, so uh, I did call her up on that. And that's genuinely where our first ever conversation went as to who knew more about gin. And right. so over the space of half an hour, we basically tried to outdo each other. Really? Yeah. So, well, I don't like this gin because that botanical doesn't meld with that one and yada, yada, yada. So you were already aficionados of the yeah, old gin. It, you know, it, we were literally sort of two kindred spirits. And, you know, I'm, I'm very open that, you know, I always say that I fell in love with Jen that night. Right. Uh, slash morning. Uh, Jen reminds me often it took her three weeks. Right. But our whole, our whole life has evolved around food and drink. For instance, the bar in between where me and Jen lived uh, in Manchester was Atlas Bar obviously famed for its huge gin menu and so that was where our first three dates were and our first three dates because we liked gin and we liked drinking uh, we stole a menu and we tried to over those three dates work our way through that menu again making notes so it you know at that point we had no idea how you made gin we just knew we liked to drink it and then experience different gins and Jen actually found that menu uh, I think it was about six months ago so that's actually up in our distillery this menu from it must be 2013 how did you become a gin? Oh, are you a gin? It's a master you, uh, distiller. Uh, is, yeah, a is gin the distiller. Really, <laughs> is the really posh term what for it. What did you think? Did you just wake up one morning and go, you know what, we both like this gin so much, we should just learn how to make it and make our own? Do you know what? It was completely, it was completely by happy chance. A money, a money saving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could save Not the amount we quick. drank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it was complete, it was by happen chance. So what it was, um, we were actually going to do what all late 20-somethings do and open a bar together, uh, you know, have that dream and so in researching the opening bar I was put in touch with a gentleman in Sheffield I think he owned 10 different bars at that point and he was very generous and took us around all of his different bars and uh, in one of them he said do you like gin I mean Jen obviously replied in earnest yes of course we like gin and he said well follow me I'm making it in the back room right and exactly that was our sort of well I'm sorry what at that point we didn't know you could we thought gin was made in a factory with you know 10, 20, 30 people you might need countless millions to set this up Uh, we literally walked into a room it must have been three metres by one metre or three metres by two metres and there was a guy on a little tiny table with a 30 litre pot still and he was just sat there on a stool making gin and it was genuinely the first time we'd ever seen what I would call true small batch gin distillation and as soon as you saw that that literally sort of little light bulb moment I suppose you can call it but we were on the train home registering uh, domain names registering uh, and applying for licenses on the train ride home and so that's where it all started so that was probably I think April 2015 so it took us just over a year Right. Obviously, you have to dig and go and learn how to do this, do you? Well, to be honest, once you've seen it happen, once you've seen gin being made and you've bought that same piece of kit, making gin is actually, and again, I probably shouldn't say it's really easy to make. Right. The hardest thing about gin is coming up with a recipe. So that's where the real art comes into gin distillation. And so bearing in mind, we'd never done this before. Uh, over the space of one afternoon on Saturday, we went round to all of the local uh, sort of wine shops uh, in Charlton and bought... I think it was uh, 26 bottles of gin. Because when we, we love cooking, and we, like I say, and I always liken, and, you know, we'll talk a lot today about how you make gin, but I liken it to how you make good food. So it's all about balance, and it's all about knowing flavours and how things interact with each other. So when we we love cooking, so we'd always eat a lot of food. And right. so we thought, well, if you're going to come up with a recipe, yeah. you probably need to drink a lot of gin. So, like I say, over the space of one afternoon, we lined up 26 gins in a row and put a glass in front of each of them. 
and it's the only time my galley kitchens come in useful because we could fit them all the way down and then so basically put a shot in all of them and went down the line and started making these notes again these ridiculously outrageous <laughs> notes what are these notes based on are they based on what hits you with taste wise so flavor profiles so yeah. if, you know so it's if it's you know how the palate starts uh if you get an alcohol burn or not and then whether it's kind of earthy whether it's got a slightly sweeter finish um, and it's basically we were trying to assess exactly what style of gin we both loved right. and luckily we both love the same gin so when we got down the line of 26, we eliminated 14. And then of the 12 we had left, we reloaded and made single gin and tonics with them all. I'm probably going to commit a cardinal sin here and liken that exercise to a bit like similar to wine tasting. Is that, would that be right? It's absolutely the same. We don't use a spit tune. <laughs> no, well, I think I'm where I'm going to, obviously. Certain wines are recommended to go with certain foods. Is, was that the exercise that you would... It, for this one, primarily, I mean, our signature gin that we launched, is is a completely selfish product that is everything we love about gin in a bottle. But I think primarily we look to make a standard, not a standard, but our perfect gin to go in a tonic. So we've got four in the range now and we do like food pairings and things. So there are gins that go better with different foods, but ultimately your tonic's probably a bit better for diversifying what you're doing with your meal. I've got you. So of these 12, we, we went down the line and then eliminated them down to six. Uh, it's at this point, my memory's a bit sketchy, uh, but the notes were there or thereabout. They might have descended into ticks at this point. Right. But bearing in mind, we're a bit loose now. Uh, yeah. We thought we'd best have them all as doubles. And so went through them all, the six as doubles, and the three we were left with was Monkey 47, Tarquin's Lemon Sherbet, and 50 Pound Gin. Right. And so from that, what we did then is look at what botanicals they use. And, ha- and so they're all citrus-led. They've all got a slightly sweeter finish, so we talking about almond or licorice or cassia and so that started to give us the crux of the ingredients we wanted to use to make our gin when you use the word botanicals yes. is that what you mean so a botanical is, is technically, that the additional bits the flavors yes so botanicals anything that grows so it can be a herb a spice a fruit um i mean we use uh, silver birch which is the bark of a tree really so we use dandelion and burdock root as two of our mancunian botanicals that jen actually goes and digs up herself uh, we dehydrate that so yeah they well dandelion and burdock is something that we're very keen to use because it, it it sort of tips the hat to the northern heritage i grew up in blackpool right jen grew up in warrington right um and so really we wanted something that deeply rooted in manchester not the fact that it's distilled by us in manchester bottle labeled we wanted to have a, a mancunian botanical right. and jen loves dandelion and burdock so it seems silly not to put it in the gin what brought you both to manchester in the first place i know jen's sort of nearly she's local. nearly here so uh, for me university right. so a- every person i would say in blackpool if you don't run away at 18 you never leave right. so uh, I ran away and, and never came back so you ran away to uni yes in Manchester yes what did you take uh, business studies the most generic of all the subjects I was very keen to never have someone say I'm not using my degree so I took the most generic one possible yeah well, I'll be honest I probably learned a lot more from working than I did a degree university. but what you know it, so we laugh at me and Jen because she never actually got a degree but she was earning far more than I was when we met and she'd done it by working hard and, and putting in the hours so we do have this sort of chuckle like because we are expecting our first child as well congratulations yeah, thank you um but we sort of chuckle because i wouldn't have met my friends if i hadn't gone to university i wouldn't have been who i am if I went to university she wouldn't and couldn't have tolerated going to university so it'll be interesting to see what happens in sort of 18 years time we've got our own brilliant back to the story so we've got three gins that we were looking to do and then from that you start experimenting with how the botanicals work with each other 
And that's where the art of balance comes in. Because, for instance, if I tell you that to make 100 bottles of gin in our 60 litre still, we use about, and I'm trying not to give the full recipe away, no. about, <laughs> about 550 grams of we botanicals. Can bleep, we've got, we, we can incorporate a bleep machine. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so from 530 grams, predominantly that's juniper berry, which is the legal definition of gin. But then that goes all, we go from anything from like 400 odd grams all the way down to 0.75 of a gram of something called grains of paradise. Okay. And we've changed that recipe by half a gram, which means that's the equivalent per bottle of changing it by 0.005 grams. Right. And it has a genuine effect on the flavor. Yes. And so this is where the art of distillation comes in because you're forever tweaking to get that perfect balance. I'm probably one of the very few guys in the world that can actually never make beans on toast the same <laughs> twice. So Worcestershire sauce is what you need. Yeah. <laughs> Once you've got that, you go, right, this is the one. We've fixed on yep. this. We This is the mm-hmm. one now. Is it always going to come out the same? Uh, no gin will ever come out the same. So I always say as a distiller, you aim for 99%. Right. Because there will always be some, if if some of the botanicals stick to the top of the still or the bottom of the still, you're never ever going to get 100%. For the general public, no one's ever going to notice because I might notice that something that's slightly sweeter, which means you, you took a bit more slightly more of the licorice, but you're not really going to notice. But it's something that I might pick up because I've been drinking this gin for nearly two and a half years straight. So you'd notice it? Yes, but the way we the way we maintain that 99 point something percent is we weigh everything to two decimal places. So we've got very fancy scales and it's like baking, baking gin. So going back to a food analogy, if you put too much baking powder in or not enough yeast, it's not going to work. So you have to weigh everything meticulously every single time and everything gets weighed to two decimal places. You mentioned before that some of the botanicals that you use yep. obviously are things that grow. Mm-hmm. So could the time of the year that those things that grow get harvested have any impact on the flavour of the gin? Plausibly it can, but if you look at the botanicals that we use, uh, juniper, interestingly, is actually only harvested once a year. Right. And then we go to orange and lemon. So we used to actually use fresh orange and lemon. And we did find that in October, for some reason, oranges don't give as much of that citrus oil that you need to actually impart into the gin. So we took the decision, I think, late in 2016 to switch to dried, so dried orange and lemon peel, which meant that it's harvested in the peak of the summer, dried, and that can be stored for up to a year. year. So that's how you sort of, you you do sort of learn to wheedle out those sort of, it is important to have that sort of attention to detail. And so you, you do it as best you can by using the same suppliers, by using the same juniper from the same country. But... Yes, plausibly. I mean, I've heard that there, there was somewhere in the news that I heard the other day that juniper's running out, so I'm hoping that's not the case. What would happen then? We'd all panic and cry. Okay. <laughs> How do you go from gin maker to master? Uh, someone asked me this question. Uh, you print your own business cards. <laughs> I like it. So technically, the master distillery is the head of a distillery, and as I own the distillery, I took it upon myself to call me Scratch master distiller. Okay, you've you've got your distillery, you've got yep. your dining room all plumbed in. You're all mate, yeah, you're all plumbed yep. in. You're good to go. Mm-hmm. The challenge is to get the bottles out there. There's got to be now. This is a, a different business mind now, a different mindset. But again, do you know what? We've been really lucky. Uh, one, Jen worked incredibly hard, a lot harder than I do. Um, we had no preconceptions how this industry worked. So we've been told numerous times, and I'm sick of hearing it. Well, that's not how you grow a brand. And my instant response is, how long have you been in the industry? And they'll say 20 plus years. I'm honestly not that interested in how you grew a brand 20 years ago. 
Okay. So I think there's been a lot. There's been a lot of people say this is how you grow a brand. This and it's for us. We didn't know anyone in the industry, so we went and grew our brand the way we thought and the places that we thought people would buy gin or sell gin. And so we went about it thinking about it logically. Yeah. And do you know what? Considering where we are now, I'm delighted we did it and we didn't ask for that much advice. So how we got the first bottles of gin sold? We and I promise you, we forgot to order boxes. Uh, so we were carrying it round in a tall and uh, unicorn hemp bag. Uh, it used to fit six bottles in, and we went round knocking on doors, and that's what we did. So the first time we launched on the twelfth of May, so we're actually two years old in two days while we're recording this. And so, but we went round, and the first thing we did, we lived in Chorlton, so go to all the Chorlton bars on Thursday night, and it got yeah. well received. So we sold our first ever bottle was sold at Tiny Tipple, which is uh, like a wine shop in Chorlton. Right. And at the time, we had one bottle, and he said, "Would you be able to leave a sample bottle with us?" And at the time, we had no money because we spent all of our life savings on this business. And it was like, oh god, uh, oh, okay. We leave a half a bottle and then we got one minute down the road before he rang and said oh have you got any more gin because I've just sold the bottle you've just brought in wow and so our first sale technically happened with, we sold it to the shop and they sold it on I think within I think it must have been 90 seconds fantastic so, but yeah we knocked on doors the second day we went round Manchester went round every bar we knew in Manchester and we didn't know at the time when we set off at 11 in the morning that when you go into bar and say would you like to try gin the answer is always yes but you're speaking to one barman, he brings out three glasses. And so you're trying your own gin again. So that's bar number one. Oh, fine. Six bar- bars later. Yeah, bar number six. Like, oh, probably get some lunch now. <laughs> and then we ended up at El Gato Negro at about five o'clock. Massively worse for wear. Just saying, make some cocktails with these. But interesting enough, that struck up a really good relationship with El Gato. And so I think I'm right in saying we're their best-selling gin. We're actually going there to celebrate our second year birthday. Uh, so we did it how we thought. And... We've since heard uh, 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 an analogy, but liquid to lips is how we've chose to grow our business and let the consumer try it. I'm very confident and we're very proud of the gin we produce that if you try it, I'm convinced if you like gin, you'll love it. And if you don't, then I will move on. I won't see any harsh no harshness in it, but we're very proud of the product we make. And the more for, more, for us, the more people that try it, the better and the, the faster our business will grow. Have there been any mainline outlets that have shown an interest in Manchester Gin? Well, Harvey Nicks stocked us, uh, which was... That's pretty mainline. Yeah. Do you know what? We were amazed. Um, uh, we went into Harvey Nicks because what's the most prestigious shop in Manchester, Harvey Nicks? So we're in there. Rick, who's the wine shop manager, loved it and then said, I need to send a bottle to Ivan. And then after about three weeks, he came back and said, yeah, I'd love to stock you. Um, and so f- again, from launch to being stocked at possibly Barring Harrods, one of the most prestigious shops in Britain, was a huge accolade for us. And you know what that gave us a springboard uh, it's all very well me telling everyone my gin's good it's like well where are you stocked it's like Harvey Nick oh right I'll take a case and so for us it was a really great springboard and so you know and we've got a good close relationship with Harvey Nichols and, and we're very proud to be stocked there so and also their biggest selling gin as well love it now I also know that I mean you meant you alluded to the fact before that you, you obviously the sales of the actual bottles are, are, on, <laughs> the, are on the rise yeah are the number of clients on the rise or are they all existing clients but selling more gin it's both of both. Both of both. So we've massively grown our, our distribution. So we're drunk probably as much as we are at home as we are in bars now, which is a big change when we first started. And we're starting to grow sort of nationally. And we've also got some exports that go out there. So it seems to be growing in all places. And I think 
we've worked very hard on the brand and I mean I'm sort of looking at the brand now this brand's actually designed by a lad I play football with and he said something very derogatory about our original brand on a night out and you challenged him well he said I can he said that's expletive word uh and I said well that's not very nice I've I've just paid for that and he repeated it and then he did follow up with I'll make it better and sure enough three weeks later we met with him and then he designed it all and we still use the exact brand that he designed for us, albeit we took the honeycomb from our original design and embossed it through the glass. So we're trying to evolve our brand and, and move it on, but it's been massively well-received in the country. I mean, you know, from our dining room, again, when I talk getting stuck to Harvey Nicks is one thing, but we wanted to enter it for awards, and so we entered it for the Spirit Masters Award, uh, and our signature and our raspberry gin won gold and silver. Uh, because it won gold and silver, our dining room or our micro distillery was actually awarded a gold medal from the Spirit Masters. So I'm 99% sure our dining room is the only dining room in Britain that's got a, a gold medal for micro distilling. So it's nationally recognised, multi award winning. Yes. Manchester Gin. Yes, and we were very proud last week. Uh, the San Francisco Spirits Competition Awards announced, which is, for those that don't know the, the, the awards, that's essentially the Oscars of the gin world. And it's the most prestigious. It's people from all over the world apply. And uh, we were very fortunate uh, uh, to have all of our four gins medal. Really? Yes. So but so our, we've won a gold, silver, silver. But our signature, which is the, our, what I would call my baby and, and the original, you know, second love of my life. I was going to say first love. That'd be terrible, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> got away with that. Uh, that won double gold. So as it stands, this year it's the most awarded gin in Britain. So it's got a double gold, a gold, a gold and a great taste award. All in two years. Yes. It's fantastic, isn't it? Yeah. We've been fortunate enough with where we are and, and how well the business is going. We employ, we've gone from me and Jen being employed in the business to now eight of us, uh, for the most part, all Mancunians. So we've got three people in the field. All Mancunians, a guy from Blackpool. And a girl from Warrington. And a girl from Warrington. Yeah, yeah. I like I it. I do say that in two years' time, I think it is, I do become an honorary Mancunian, in my eyes. We're looking so forward to I it. Will have lived, it's me too. So I will have lived here longer than I've ever lived anywhere in my life. Well, we'll have to celebrate that. We, we could, will. We Probably with gin. Why, why not indeed? Listen, it's... it's been fantastic to talk to you today hope you've enjoyed our no it's been fantastic yeah and thank you for your support of forever manchester by no well and what is your interest or your love of or your support of for forever manchester where did that so we're very keen as a company you know i'm I'm a firm believer in that you should give back when things are going well and we're you know we're manchester it's a city i'm very proud to live in it's a city i'm choosing to have my child in and we're immensely proud of manchester so forever manchester is a huge charity that's you know, devoted itself to Manchester and for us to do as much as we can with them uh, is very important for us I mean aside from our link with the NSPCC as well which is a charity very close to my heart uh, this is where all of our funding for our charitable donations goes because we can't very well have a gin called Manchester Gin and, and not give back to the city Seb it's lovely to talk to you it's been a pleasure and thank you very much you're welcome if you enjoyed this episode of Forever Manchester Meets, please go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and like and subscribe us with a nice five-star review. Um, if you want to find out more about Forever Manchester and the work that we do in Greater Manchester, please check us out at forevermanchester.com or follow us on the usual social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are at Forever Manchester. Nice one.